Thanks for joining us today with another podcast from New Hope Church. We hope that you enjoy what we have for you today and find it encouraging and uplifting. If you ever want to learn more information about New Hope Church, please visit us online at myhope.life. We'd love to get to know you. Have a wonderful day and God bless. Jesus, I worship you. I thank you for meeting us here today. God, I pray that your presence would sweep in here and that you would touch lives right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. You can be, you can be seated right now. Kids, if you would like to go to Sunday school, you can make your way upstairs. Oh, such an awesome presence of God in here today. I, uh... We will be doing communion uh, following the following the service. We'll uh, let the kids uh, stay upstairs uh, during the communion, and so I have some. I have the communion cups up here, and uh, I'll give you some instructions on how that goes when we get to that point. But uh, thank you for being here today. So excited for what God has been doing in our midst in the city in this church, in people's lives. It's so exciting. Oh, how about this? Here's something we have never done at, the ch- at this church today. So it's uh, something that uh, just, uh, I just thought of it. Does anyone have a testimony they would like to share? Anybody? Anyone brave enough to stand up? Okay. Tammy, hold on, Tammy. I'm going to give you the microphone because I want to make sure everyone online hears you, too. (laughs) We don't need to go that far. I just wanted to say thank you for this church. The testimony I have is I was going through a severe depression this summer. And several reasons, but I saw online New Hope prayer requests. And... Everyone gathered around in their own way and prayed, and I have never been more fired up for God than I am now. So I just want to say thank you to everyone. That's awesome. It's important to share your testimony because your story can affect someone else's life. Um, You never know that what the person sitting next to you is going through, and you may have went through that two weeks ago you know, a month ago, six years ago, and you have some experience to possibly help that person walk that path. And so it's so important that we share our testimony. Um, so Tammy, you get the honor of um, being the first person to share their testimony. I believe, right? That's the first one we've ever done, right? Okay, well, I'm excited. Awesome. Thank you, Tammy. Um, <laughs> I'm going to jump right into the message today. I, um, I, I'm going to recap a little bit so everyone knows where we're at. Um, The last week we looked at uh, Mark chapter 11, and we've been uh, looking at all the chapters of Mark, and um, we've we've gone 15, this is my 15th message in uh, the book of Mark um, over these few weeks, or a lot of weeks, I guess now, (laughs) but uh, I have really enjoyed this. And uh, so last week we talked about um, what a tree should look like. Um, and how a tree should have fruit in Mark chapter 11. In, in verse 13, we see the tree 
Um, and, it, and it looks like it should have the signs of fruit, but as Jesus gets up to the tree, all of a sudden he realizes there is no fruit on the tree. And uh, that is not how we are to be in our lives as well, because we see Jesus, he, he curses the tree, and, it, and uh, as they come by and pass it again, it's, it's withered and lifeless. And um, I think that we've got to keep that in our mind, that we can give the appearance of a fruit-producing tree. We can look good on the outside. Everything can be all together. Everything's all good. You know, I, I help at church, or I do this, I do that. Or, you know, we can, we can justify a lot of things in our lives. And the reality is we don't produce any fruit. We look like we should have fruit. But when it comes to touching someone else's life, helping someone else's life, we don't have the fruit that is there. So the reality of being a Christian is we must produce fruit. <clears throat> we must affect other people's lives. It can't just be once a week. It can't just be here and there. It's got to be every time we come in contact with someone, we should be able to touch their life. They should see something different. In verse 14, Jesus says that no one will eat fruit from you again. He says, he says this to the tree and at that moment, he curses the tree, and, and later on, we see that it's withered. But in this moment, I, I realize that there must have been a time when this tree had produced fruit. We can't, get tiring, we can't get tired in our fruit production as Christians. We have to continually produce fruit. We should always have something there to be able to help someone. Now, the idea is there will be days when you don't feel like it, right? There's always days when you don't feel like touching someone else's life, like, I've been there, done that, like, <laughs> me and my wife have been at our throats before, you know, like, <laughs> there's been days when I just, like, I don't want to have a relationship with anyone, I want to have a relationship with my bed, you know, like, <laughs> um, and, and just stay away, but the idea is in that moment, I should be looking and searching for someone that can touch my life so that I can get back to the fruit product production in, in touching someone else's life. So there's this, yes, there's going to be days that you need to eat of the fruit. And that's when you've got to be willing to let someone give you hope, give you life, give you the sustenance that you need to move and, and to continue to touch other people's lives. So we talked about the temple. I loved it when Jesus went in and began to destroy the, the temple, or not to destroy the temple, but to, to drive out the, the people that were in the temple at the time. In verse 17, Jesus says, my house um, will be called a house of prayer, and they've turned it into a den of thieves. It is, uh, it is so imperative that the house of God be a house of prayer. And when I say house of God, I am not talking about this building or any other building that we may be in at some point in our time. I'm not talking. That is not the house of God. This right here is the house of God. This right here is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I have got to have, uh, a, I have got to have uh, a relationship with God, and I have got to keep my life where it needs to be. And the same is with every single person. I don't want my life to be a den of thieves. So finally in verse 20, we see him pass the tree again, and this time it's withered. Um, and to me, this is a representation of what we saw with the temple. It was dead, withered, and had no fruit. He came to the temple. It was supposed to be a house of prayer. 
And yet he found people profiting on religion. He found people profiting and um, selling their goods, trying to make a profit on what was supposed to honor God. And in that, we cannot honor God when it is about self-gain. It has to be about our relationship with him. And so um, we cannot allow our lives to become like that, vacant of the presence of God. I've got to have the presence of God in my life. So, sadly, we see the tree not producing fruit, and at that point, it will never reproduce fruit. And so we see the absence of life. When there is no fruit, you tend to have the absence of life. Now, an apple tree, maybe every other year, you know, it produces fruit. It has a schedule that it produces fruit. So what was Jesus' reasoning? Why, like, in this moment? The reason why is because this is a tree that should produce fruit on a yearly basis at a given time. And when the leaves are there and it shows that, that, that the fruit, it shows that the fruit should be there, what Jesus was looking for. And so in our lives, we can become like this tree where we have no fruit, which means we are not reproducing. The fruit is what holds the seed for the next tree. The fruit is what holds the seed to see growth. If you want to have an orchard, you can start with one seed, you know, and eventually you can have a whole orchard off of one seed. And the same is true in our lives. You need one seed. You need to hide the word of God in your heart. And as that word of God begins to grow, you'll begin to grow in your relationship with God. We had uh, Millie last week. She was hopping around out here. <laughs> and uh, I put my arm around her and I helped her. And I said, this is how the church should be. We should be helping others. I thought it was a perfect representation of how we should be. She's having a hard time getting to her seat. Why would I just sit there and look at someone in their downtime? Why, 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 why would I look at someone who is down and out and, and hurting and, and you know, has had a hard life and had things go on? Why would I just sit there and stare at them as if it was entertainment to myself? I've got to, I should be looking at people and, oh, they need help. I should help them. That is, that's what God called the church to do. We, we can't just, you know, too many times we just have this easy believism. You know, I'm going to go to church, you know, this Sunday every once in a while. And then I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, sing and clap. And then I'm going to listen to the preacher. And then I'm going to go home and, and that's all my relationship with God is. That's not really a relationship with God. It's pretty much just a, an hour of kind of, if you're not really, if your heart isn't in it, it's boring. Like, I've been there. I've been in the, I've been in the seat before when I was younger, and I, uh, <laughs> I did not want to be there. I was drugged as a child. Like, my parents drugged me to church. They drug me to youth group. They drug me to prayer meetings. They drug me everywhere. <laughs> and... Uh, I don't know, like, so I was not in my heart to serve God. And I found my, my life, I, I was chasing after things that I shouldn't have been, you know. I joined the military, and I got my life into a, a, a mess. I, uh, I, 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 got my, I got into drugs. I got into alcohol. I mean, it was, it was bad. My life was in a mess. And I've told some of us, like, the, 
the, the, the whole story and, and some just like tidbits of the story, but there was some times in my life, my sister, I realized, didn't even know the whole story. And the other night we just happened to be talking and she was just like sitting across and she was like, it was that bad? <laughs> we can put on a front and we can hide from people, but only for a moment, only for a time, because it talks about in the Bible that your sin will find you out. And that is the case. Like, it will bleed into your other life. If you've got bitterness in your life, it will begin to bleed into other parts of your life. If, if there was a, a relationship in your life that caused bitterness, that, that relationship may spill into the next relationship. If you don't work on that bitterness, if you harbor those feelings in your heart, it will continue to eat you up and it will become you. And all of a sudden, you're this grouchy, grumpy person. I've been that angry individual before. And I don't want to go back to that angry person. None of you would have liked me probably 15 years ago. I promise you, you would not have liked me. <laughs> Jim's like, oh, we probably would have got along. <laughs> I'm glad we get along now too, John. <laughs> Jim, <laughs> John, whatever, whatever your name is over there in the purple Viking shirt. <laughs> so jumping in here into Mark chapter 12. We see some interesting things, and I'm, I'm only going to touch on some of these. I didn't put all of these scriptures into the, into the thing, and one, they wouldn't have fit. And so, uh, two, I didn't really want to go into, into depth about everything that happens in, in Mark chapter 12. So we see some interesting things throughout this chapter. Um, and in the first part of the chapter, we see Jesus talk about the parable uh, about the vineyard. Um, in these scriptures, they reference things that will come for him. If you read the first part of uh, Mark chapter 12, it's a parable essentially giving the story of what will happen to Jesus and how um, it's so cool, actually. I should have just, just preached about the first part of this <laughs> instead of preaching about the rest of it, but it was so cool. Um, like When you look at it, okay, so Jesus came really to save the Jews, right, but they rejected him. Um, and, and so um, in, this, in this parable that Jesus tells, he talks about how they reject the son and, um, and they, they kill him. They see, oh, he's the son, He'll, we'll kill him. And, and, and then the, 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 the father will give us the, the inheritance of this, uh, of this land. It was, it's really cool. So read that first part of Mark chapter 12. And the idea was when Jesus said in the parable, he's like, but I'm going to give it to others. I was like, whoa. Jesus was talking about me in this scripture. He was talking about you in this scripture. He was going to give it to others. It wasn't just now. It wasn't just for that. So when we get into the book of Acts and you see Cornelius uh, filled with the Holy Ghost and, and everyone was questioning, well, why is it on a Gentile? Why was it on, why isn't this a Jew? And, and they were upset that it was not a Jewish person. They were like, oh, this can't be. Why were you even talking to this man? And, but, but, God moved, and, and the same is for us. It is for today. So it also states in this, ver, this verse uh, about the stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And we know that Jesus was rejected by many, but he is the cornerstone of our faith. 
So next, in, uh, next we see the Pharisees trying to trap him in verse 13, and they're asking him who should pay taxes or not. And, and they're trying to trap him because if, if he says no, then the Roman government is like, oh, well, we'll just take him out. You know, like if he's going to tell people that, um, hey, you don't have to pay your taxes, then it's going to be an issue. The Romans are just going to get rid of Jesus for us. But Jesus calls for the coin and he asks whose image is on it. And Jesus makes the point that we're to render unto God the things that are God's. We're to render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Many times, it's okay for us to pay our taxes. We give to Caesar. The th I mean, I hate when I look at my paycheck and what I could have had. I'm like, oh, man. I don't really like giving to Caesar what Caesar says is Caesar's. Because <laughs> I look at it, I'm like, that was Zach's. <laughs> Caesar didn't work for that. <laughs> But I'm, fine, 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 Caesar, go ahead. I just know that my paycheck is going to be, you know, a little bit less than what I actually earned. <laughs> um, and so, but then the big thing here, we, we, give to, um, uh, we give to God the things that are God's. You know what I don't see in here? It, it doesn't say this in the Bible anywhere or give to Zach the things that are Zach's. It, it, Jesus didn't say, hey, give to God the things that are your, that are his and give to Caesar the things that are his give to give to yourself the things that are yours and I was I was thinking about this as I was putting it down was, sometimes giving the things to God the things that are really his is a hard thing because we're like well it was actually mine it, it kind of gets to the point the same way that I look at my paycheck. Well, that was, that was mine. <laughs> I guess I won't have to pay when the, whenever I do my taxes now. But uh, I don't know. It depends on the year. Sometimes you got to pay in. Sometimes you don't. You know, it depends on the year. Um, and, and it always comes to this, you know, in that sense we view that, well, when I get my paycheck, I guess I don't really think, you know, oh, that, that's technically mine. I just always assume in my paycheck, there's going to be a chunk that the government takes. And so I don't even, like when I figure it out, I don't even think about it as mine. I, I, I calculate my pay of what I would make after that. I just think of it that way. But what about us giving to God the things that are God's? If we view it as ours, it's really hard sometimes to give it up. We hold on to those things because they're so familiar. And uh, just to clarify, I am not talking about money, but money was the easiest example because Caesar and government and things like that. I'm talking about your time, your relationship, who you are. Um, what, what are you? What, who are you? What is your identity? You go to work, you work real hard, you make your money. The car you have, sure, yeah, it's, it's yours. But what if you shifted your perspective that everything that you own is God's? Everything that you are is God's. Because doesn't the Bible say that we should serve him with everything that we are? Like to offer my life as a living sacrifice to him? To me, that's everything. Like I, I can't easily just give everything 
I can't begin to think of this is mine and this is mine. Everything that I have, God, it's, it's yours. Like, whatever you want to do with me, God, however you want to use me, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow you. Everything that you want me to do, wherever you want me to, to go, yes, it may be hard to give up, but if you change your perspective to it was already God's, I'm not giving something of mine. I'm giving something back to God that he let me use. And I'm so thankful that, that, that God would give me time. I'm so thankful that, that God would give me finances. I'm so thankful that, that, that God would, you know, give me a good vehicle. But you know what, God? I'm going to give it back to you, and I'm going I'm to pick someone up for church, or I'm going to give it back to you to further your kingdom. Whatever it is that you need of me, God, I'm going to give it to you. Remember last week, um, and it wasn't last week, it was the week before, when we talked about the rich young ruler, and, and Jesus begins to talk about how there is no one that has given up families and brothers and sisters and mothers and land and and all these different things and houses that he won't get back a hundredfold I'm willing to give everything to Jesus whatever it is that you need God I'm gonna give to you I'm gonna do what you want me to do we have to change our perspective from it's mine to it's God's and it was always God's because he's the one that gave me the breath in my lungs so Jumping down to verse 28 of Mark 12 is where I'll actually start reading some scriptures. So one of the scribes approached when he heard them debating and saw that Jesus answered them well, he asked him, which, commanded is, which command is the most important of all? So in my opinion, this man asked this question to see what Jesus would say. They tried hard to get him to break the religious laws. We know that. They tried hard to, to get him to, to, change, to, to, to speak things that would anger people. And, and many things that he did say angered people. But, but Jesus speaks so much volume in this next passage. And in verse 29, it says, Jesus answered, The most important is, listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all of your strength. That ties in everything that I am is already God's. I have got to dedicate my life to him. Whatever you need of me, Jesus, I am willing to give. The second is love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other command greater than these. What? But what about murder, God? What, what, about, what about thou shalt not kill? What about all these things? If you get these first two right, you're not going to kill anyone. It, 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 what about thou shalt not steal and all those other ones? If you get these two right, you're not going to steal. What about honoring mom and dad and all those things? Yeah, real important. And if you do these, you're going to honor mom and dad. You're going to love the person that's next to you. You're going to try and reach the person next to you. So the most important command that we see was, was God is that we need to listen and that we are to love God with all of our heart. Everything that we are, when I read that soul, mind, strength, and, and heart, everything that I am, I have got to love him with everything. He has got to be my number one priority um, in, in my life. 
It can't just be with our lips. It has to be actions. It has to be everything. Our heart must be in it. If our heart is, is in it, and our, then our actions will show the fruit of your relationship. But your heart has to be in it to be able to show that fruit, to be able to affect someone else's life. You can't bear fruit if you're a weed. How have you ever, have you ever like planted a garden and then you get some weeds? So the, our neighbor, she is like a botanist or <laughs> what is she? I don't know. She just like knows everything about plants. I had these things growing in my plant bed and I was like, these look like flowers to me. <laughs> to the uneducated person, these weeds were flowers. And I was like, maybe they're weeds, but I think they're flowers. And Rochelle was so nice to ask our next door neighbor when they were talking one day and she was like, yeah, those are weeds. And I know one had like grown kind of tall, like probably would probably be hitting the ceiling in here. Maybe it was a sunflower. I don't know. Like those things get big too. <laughs> they produce seeds and they reproduce and they just keep growing and they, they try and suck the life out of the other plants. So I don't want to be a weed. But you know what? Churches have weeds in them. Did you know that? In a beautiful garden, if you don't tend it, you grow weeds, right? You know, the same thing is true about church. So people are like, oh, well, well so-and-so really offended me and, and upset me. Yeah, I know. And, and, and I promise you, that is not okay. But you know what? Sometimes we need to prune the weed and, like, get rid of the weed. And, like, hey, and, I, like, by saying that, I don't mean, like, oh, you're a weed. I'm going to throw you out the door. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> but what, what I'm saying is, like, let's, let's pluck the weed out of their garden that's sucking the life from them so that they can give life to someone else, so that they can help someone else. So we must be cautious with what we put into us. Everything that goes in is going to be a seed. Everything that goes in is going to reproduce something. So what you're putting in will reproduce later down the road. So what is it? that you're putting into your life. If you're hiding the word of God in your heart, I promise you, your life is going to change. It's going to be different. If you are studying God's word, if you are looking for a deeper relationship with him and, and you're doing discipleship and you're studying and, and things like that, you are going to have things change in your life. I, I, everyone likes to binge something every once in a while. There's a few of you that are binging the, the Chosen series and been telling me that it's pretty good, so maybe that's what I need to binge. But, um, you know, everyone has their thing that, you know, they, they like to, to, to binge, whatever it is, Netflix, Hulu, whatever, you know. You know your show that you sit there and watch seven seasons. It's seven years of TV. <laughs> when you think about it like that, you're like, oh, Lord. I just watched seven years in three days. <laughs> oh, I've been laying in bed and going to the kitchen. And <laughs> if you haven't had one of those 
weeks before, okay, good for you, but I have. <laughs> it's not good because it begins to like, oh, you're sleeping. Like, I was a fan a long time ago of The Walking Dead, okay? Just like, it was one of my things. And uh, I don't anymore. But at that moment, in that time, like it was, and it began to like get into my sleep. Like I would sleep and I would dream about this zombies. Like who wants to dream about zombies? I mean, no, I don't want to. Like it's okay like when it's there, but like it began to reproduce in my life. My conversations began to surround it. And I would, couldn't wait for the next time I got to binge, you know, some of these series and, and all these things. And but now, like, I, I, I really look forward, and it takes practice. You don't just wake up one day, you know what? I want to read the Bible. It takes practice to want to read the Bible. It's easy to sit in front of a TV and have junk thrown in. It's easy to come to church and just listen to people throw stuff in. But when you get down and you begin to study, then you develop a passion, and you develop that relationship, and then it's because you decided to follow Jesus, not because mom and dad followed Jesus, or not because someone told you to follow Jesus. It was because you decided to follow Jesus. So, next, we can't forget what Jesus said when he said, you know, we got to put God first, yes, but we also cannot forget what Jesus says next, that we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. If every person in the world, everybody's got a neighbor in some sense of it, like whether it's the next door neighbor or um, you live on a farm and you've got, you know, a neighbor three blocks down the road or seven miles down the road, depends on how big of your, your property is, whatever it is, you have a neighbor. If everyone just loves their neighbor like they love themselves. But you know what? I see the problem. Where I see the problem is sometimes we've had a hard time loving me. Jesus loved you. Jesus died on the cross for you. But we get to this point where, oh, I hate myself. And I, I talk myself down. I, I'm not good enough. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not good. And so then we, then we lash out at others because I, I don't technically love myself. I self-preserve. I, I, I try and keep myself alive. I try and wake up in the morning and go to work, but everyone else, they become victim to the life-sucking weeds that are in my life because I'm not giving, I'm not producing fruit. I'm not a healthy tree. I'm not a healthy plant. I'm not growing in Jesus. So what would Jesus say today if you said, well, hey, Jesus, you said love your neighbor. Does it matter if he's Republican or Democrat? <laughs> Lord Jesus. Like, you know what? I, this message, I didn't plan the message. We started preaching this 15 weeks ago. Look at that, week 15. There's something in the Bible about Republicans and Democrats. Yes, you are to love them. And if you come to church and you're Republican, I love you. If you're a Democrat and you come to church, I love you. We all need Jesus. You know who the answer for the world today is? It's not Trump. It's not Biden. It's Jesus. Everything that's going on in the world today is a heart issue. It's not 
an issue of who's president or an issue of who's in power. It's an issue of the condition of the heart. So yes, but what, what about, but Jesus, what about if my, my neighbor's an atheist? He like, you don't even believe there's God. Yes, yes, even if your neighbor's an atheist, even if, you're, even if your neighbor hates your guts because he thinks you're stupid or she thinks you're stupid for believing that there's a God, still love them. It's okay, it's okay, you know what? And you know what? An atheist can come to church. I don't care. You can come pick apart my message for all I care and be like, well, you're way off base. And I'll be like, okay, fine. Have a good day. Honestly, I just read what the Bible says. Still love you. Okay? I'm taking what the Bible says. How can we apply it to life today? So Jesus knew that uh, people were about to kill him. We know that because the very first passage in these scriptures, he gives the parable about what would happen to him, essentially, and uh, we see that he knows he's about to kill people. Or, I'm sorry, he's about to kill people. People are about to kill him. I got that backwards. Jesus was making a statement that we even have to love those who choose Barabbas. See, we, have to, we have to love people who choose to reject Jesus. Because what he was saying in this moment was, hey, there's people that are going to reject me. But you know what? I want you to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And in doing that, that means when they kill me, you're still going to preach the gospel to them because there's going to be something that happens. When I die, I'm coming back. I'm going to resurrect. And at that moment, there's going to be people whose eyes are opened, whose people, who, people whose lives are resurrected. And it's now it's time for you to share to them. But if you have an ounce of hate in your life for them, or you have these preconceived notions, you will never reach them. You'll write them off because they chose Barabbas and not Jesus. We can't choose that. We can't, we can't treat people like that. Well, that person chose Biden, so they don't love Jesus you know what? The other side also says the same thing. Well, he chose Trump, so he doesn't love Jesus. So what happened? In that moment, in that argument that you, that you decided, well, one, you never showed the love of Jesus. We, we found that. You, 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 you didn't try and share the gospel. You tried to promote a, a political message. Is the world a mess? Yes, I get it. But you know what? It says in the Bible, that the days will get worse and worse. So just before the Son of Man comes again in, in, the, in the taking away of his bride, then it's going to be as it was in the days of Noah and, and all those things before the, the flood and all that stuff. So think about this for a moment. If it's getting bad, maybe he's coming back. You know, maybe we should stop fighting with each other and pull as many people out of hell as we can because there's many people that die and go without knowing the message of Jesus Christ. And Jesus is depending on you to preach the message, to, to reach people, to show love. So if you reject someone, technically, you're rejecting him. So lucky for Jesus... His answer, according to the scribes, was correct in verse 32. Then the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have correctly said that he is one and that there is no one else except him. 
and to love him with all your heart and with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself is far more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. Even the scribes got it. Even they realized that Jesus was right. The people who like actually hated Jesus and didn't like what was going on, they were like, okay, you got it right, Jesus. <laughs> okay, we'll back off for just a moment. So how does this relate to our life? I must show love unconditionally. Jesus was teaching the people that hated him that we are to love each other. Meaning Jesus was teaching them, hey, I love you even though you hate me. So if someone hates you, what should you do? Hate them back. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, we're supposed to hate them back. Like an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. Right? Sticks and stones may break my bones. You call me a name and I'm going to hurt you. Because <laughs> my stick's bigger than your stick. I mean, come on, like... This is, this is like how we're raised. We're, we're so focused on the negativity in our lives, the things that happen. Everything is negatively focused. You scroll the media. You, you scroll Facebook. You, 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 all you see is negativity. It's, it's people that constantly at each other's throats. And I hate it so much. But I'm not going to get off social media. Because I use social media, I'm going to post something positive. I've posted like two things about maybe politics and I hashtagged them riding with Biden and hashtag Trump train and whatever because I hope those people that see it say, oh, you know what? Maybe I do have it wrong. He overcame the world. John said he overcame the world. Oh, I don't have to have fear because Jesus has overcame the world. He conquered it. So when Jesus saw that uh, this scribe, he answered wisely. He said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And no one dared to question him any longer. Sometimes when someone hates you, if you'll show love, it'll shut them up. So think about that. The next time someone is just beating you down, why don't you just try it? Just show them love and see what happens. See if it doesn't affect that person. Show them love and they may just stop talking. <laughs> but he also said, you're not far from the kingdom of God, meaning he was not there, meaning he didn't have it all right there, meaning that he didn't have it all figured out, but he got this one thing right. You're not far from it. Keep searching, brother. Keep searching, sister. Keep looking. You're not far from it. Keep searching. If you think you're close, Keep searching. If you think you've got it figured out, keep searching. That's what this scribe was told. Keep looking. Keep, keep searching for it. You've got to have truth in your life. So we have to watch out for our pride because our pride has the ability to take us to places that we have no business going. In verse 38, we see this. He also said in his teaching, beware of the scribes who want to go around in long robes and who want greetings in the marketplaces i think about this for a moment like i love it when someone stops me in the store and says hello like absolutely but also i like it when i get through the store and i don't see anyone i know <laughs> both are there <laughs> it's okay to want to say hello to someone or wish someone would stop you and say hi that's okay but these guys were like begging for it. Like it gave them gratification. Oh, I am who I am because you said hello to me. Oh, greetings, great one. 
Come on. So, in verse uh, 39, the best, they wanted the best seats in the synagogues the, and the places of honor at banquets. Their pride was their God. That's all they cared about was what everyone else thought of them. It was about their money. It was about their finances. It was about their, their knowledge. It was, it was about this and that. Would, they had corrupted what God had intended for his people. They had corrupted it and they had turned it into something that, that was not pure anymore, something that was not holy anymore, that didn't give God honor because they were getting all of the honor. If you rob God of the honor, that's it. You've got it. That's it. That's, that's, that's your reward. But if you do things in secret, he will reward you openly. So verse 40, oh, and this just tears me up. They devour widows' houses and say long prayers just for show. These will receive harsher judgment. So what brings about harsher judgment? It's not, not only is it sin, but you're going to get harsher judgment for walking around promoting yourself for walking around talking about how great you are, expecting people to be like, oh, look at this great one. Look at this great person of faith. It's not about you and your faith. It's about you and your relationship with God. If other people begin to recognize those things, great, but don't promote it. Oh, I'm such a great person of faith. If I get up here and start saying that, please come up here and slap me. Please. <laughs> I, Grandma, I know you'll come up here and slap me. <laughs> Grandma keeps me in line. <laughs> me and my wife had a little thing going on this week. I get up in the morning on Tuesday morning. Grandma's there already awake and sitting on the couch, and she's never awake before me. I mean, maybe she is, but I wake her up, I say. But she, uh, she's, sitting in the, she's sitting on her chair. I come in there, I'm putting my socks on. How was your night last night? Good. I bet it was. <laughs> You got a low blood sugar, Grandma? <laughs> and, uh, she, and, and then she goes, you need to make things right. You're going to have the blood of people on your hands. I'm, and she doesn't give me a beat. She just keeps on going. I'm so thankful for what God is doing in this church. I'm so excited. And I'm sitting there putting my shoes and socks on. It's 7 o'clock in the morning, and I'm barely awake. <laughs> and then she says this, and I'm like, Love you, Grammy. Have a good day. <laughs> get in my car and go on. I text my wife. I was like, hey, we got to get things worked out. <laughs> Grandma knows. <laughs> I don't know how Grandma knows. I text my sister. I'm like, hey, did you tell Grandma anything I told you? <laughs> no. Okay. How did Grandma know? Did she? I thought we were doing a good job covering it up. <laughs> See, me and my wife are human. Did you guys know that? <laughs> Whoa, we are not great. <laughs> I'm thankful for God working in me and through me. But they will devour widows' houses. Oh, my goodness. My mom was a widow. Like, at, at 38 or 9 she was whenever she lost her husband. And, and, and I was a, the, one of the child of the fatherless. And, and more than anything, 
those 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 type of kids, those those people, they go out to my heart. Like I'm like, oh, I've got to reach them. Like you could almost ask me for anything, and I would probably try and make it happen because I believe that we've got to take it. That's like the that's part of the great commission is to reach those people, to touch those people's lives, and they're devouring widows. Like I don't even know what that means. That word devour has got to mean something big. Like just taking their houses like oh this is for gods now that's not right i'm just about done i'm just starting to wrap up here a few weeks ago we saw the rich young man who allowed his priorities to be his god his pride his possessions he kept those and so i'm asking today about your desires again been a few moments here we're going to do communion but i believe that before we take communion, our heart should be in the right place. And I'll give you some scriptures about that in just a moment. But I want you right now to just begin to look at your life and look what was actually never really yours that God gave you. Yeah, you know what? We are in a place full of hardworking people. Every one of you is a hardworking person. At one point in your life, you were... You, you, you slaved away, you punched the clock, you, you went to school, you got good grades, you did everything that they said you would do, that you, you should do. You, you followed the rules. Bunch of hard workers in here. Good. But think about it for a moment. When it comes down to it, your life was given to you by God. So everything is really a product of his grace and mercy in what he gave to you. What can I give back to you, God? You see, if we harbor resentment when we look at how we have to give up so much to God, then our mindset in everything that we do, when I give an offering to the church, it's going to be like, well, this is, this is causing strain on my life. You know, I, I don't, I don't want to do that. That was, that was mine. When, 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 we, when we give our time, oh, I don't really want to go and clean the church. Like, that, that, that's, that's my time. You know, I, I don't really want to go and help someone. That, that, that takes energy and emotions. And then we begin to harbor resentment to God because, God, I'm giving you everything that I am. And, and, and instead of it being his already, it, it's, I'm giving up everything that's mine when he gave up everything for me on the cross. When he gave up his life for me on the cross, he, he died for me. Everything that I have is his. Everything. He paid the price greater than I could ever pay. He loved me in such a way that he would die for me. When your mind changes that mindset, these next passages make so much more sense. Because this isn't about money. This isn't about things like get that out of your head. This church is a blessed church. You all have been amazing. I, I'm going to share this. I don't know who did it, but the, we, the month that we, we, we bought everything so that we could put the words on the screen so we didn't have to like hold a little pamphlet all the time, we spent the money, didn't tell anyone how much it cost. That week, I jokingly said to my grandma, I was like, well, we need this much money in the offering. Jokingly said it, we didn't need that much money in the offering. But there was someone, no name, 
put the money in the offering. And it was not my grandma because my grandma does not have the money. <laughs> but she put, that, she put that in there, and it was $200 more. Wow. We just wrote a check for someone in need because they needed some help. The very next day, God, I'm telling you, more than enough money came in to cover all those books that we just bought and more than enough to cover what we gave that individual. If you'll open your hand, God can't bless if your hand is closed. But if you open your hand, it's free-flowing. It continues to flow. And, and this, is not, this is not like financial, like, hey, I need you all to go write a check and give to the church. That's, that's not what I'm at today. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is continue to give. Continue to pour out your life. Continue to give. If you hold your life closed up, your life will not be blessed. You will not feel the presence of God because you are closed off. So when I read this scripture, think of it in that sense. In verse 41, it says, sitting across from the temple treasury, he watched how the crowds dropped money into the treasury. Many rich people were putting in large sums. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two tiny coins worth very little. Summoning his disciples, he said to them, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others, for they all gave out of their surplus, but she, out of her poverty, has put everything that she had, all that she had to live on, she gave to God. Everything that she had that day, she poured in. Everything that she had to own that was to her name, she poured in. We saw that with the blind man as he left his coat. He came to Jesus, and Jesus touched him. We see the only person here. We see the rich young ruler who rejected Jesus and turned away and held on to his possessions. But here in all the other passages, we see people who leave everything aside to follow Jesus. It's got to be our, our passion that our relationship with God is more than just a, a Sunday here and there. It's got to be a relationship every single day. I don't care if you can't make it to church every Sunday. If you can't, praise God. But if you can't, discipleship, read God's word. Get, 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 get the free discipleship thing and, and go through some of those things and learn about them. Get into the e-family group and, and study God's word with us if you can on Tuesday nights and whatever you can. Read God's word. Get a hold of it. Develop that relationship. And so I ask you, have you given it to God? I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about you, yourself. This right here, have you given that as a sacrifice? Or is your hopes and dreams and goals truly everything that is your God? And I believe that God is asking for you to lay it down before him today. All of the hurt, all of the pain, all of the brokenness, everything is his. Everything that you are. You don't have to hold on to any of that. You can lay it down before him. You can put the depression down. You may... You may you may struggle, sure, yeah. But sometimes, hey, I've been there. Depression's real. I take, I take medication for depression. I'm not going to hide it. But you know what? 
It's not the medication that keeps me going. It's my relationship with Jesus Christ. But I've been in that moment. I've been on the floor, balled up, not wanting to do anything in the fetal position, rejecting my wife, rejecting my family. And it became, in a moment, it, there was a time when that became familiar, that happiness was so far from me, that joy was so far from me, that peace was so far from me. That the depression, the anxiety, the hurt, the pain, that was closer to me than my relationship with God. And I embraced that more than I embraced his word. Yeah, I went to counseling. Yeah, I got help. And it did help. But it was when I finally said, okay, God, I'm giving you everything. Whatever it is you want from me. And do you know where I found myself at that moment? Detroit Lakes. <laughs> God, if you'll give it to him, he will equip you. He will prepare you for what you need to do. I, I want to spend a few moments in prayer let me, I want to read a scripture before we move to communion. I, I truly believe in, in, in every time that we come together, there's got to be a time of reflection and, and prayer. But this scripture, it ties so well with my, um, with my message today. And I believe it's, uh, I didn't write down, man, almost got it right. I didn't write down the, the book and chapter. I believe it's 1 Corinthians 14, or it's 1 Corinthians 11. It's verse 27 starting. It says, so then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sin against the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself in this way. Let him eat the bread and drink from the cup for whoever eats and drinks without recognizing the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is why many are sick and ill among you, and many have fallen asleep. I believe it's 1 Corinthians 11. I'll look it up and tell you after church. But it's so important that we have a time of reflection before we actually take communion and I would just ask that you would just spend this time right now maybe maybe you need to repent God I'm, I'm sorry for I'm sorry for my sins I'm sorry for the things that I have done and God I, I pray that you would forgive me maybe you need to forgive yourself maybe you need to forgive others God I pray you'd help me to forgive others God, you know we're about to take communion, and I just pray that I wouldn't do it unworthily. God, I pray that you would touch me. Forgive me, God. Maybe you need to examine your heart and ask yourself if you're harboring things from God that he wants 
Maybe he wants you to lay that depression down. Maybe he wants you to lay your life down in all of its brokenness and, and all of that hurt and all of that pain. He wants you to lay that down. He wants that. He wants those things that you say are not good enough. He wants those things. I give myself away, God. Everything that I am is yours, Jesus. Spend a few moments here in prayer. At the end of this song, we'll go ahead and take communion. What would happen if a generation embraced this? Come on, tell me. Here I am. Here I am. Oh, God. I give myself. 